Greetings and welcome to Agape Fellowship where we study the word of God verse by verse. In the previous episodes, we went through an introduction to Matthew as well as the prophecies that foretold the coming of the Messiah. We have started with verse 1 of the genealogy of Jesus and that has showed us very interesting information from the books of the Old Testament. In this episode, we will continue from verse 2. looking into the genealogy of Jesus and learn some more. Verse 2. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Herzon, Herzon begot Ram, Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nachshon, Nachshon begot Salmon. Let me pause there and you see the word Tamar. There's a very interesting story about the book. I'm not going to go into the details of the story of Judah and Tamar and uh, yeah, Judah and Tamar. Uh, but I, if you are interested in reading the story or we can talk about it another time uh, or after or if you want for me to discuss that one, we'll take time to discuss it. Um, it's the story of Judah and Tamar. If you want to read it, it's in Genesis 38. It's a very interesting one. Uh, and Tamar is a very interesting woman uh, that has been inserted. It's one of the women that you're going to see in this many times. This is the uniqueness about the gospel here. Uh, usually lineages by that male um, person that is usually uh, lineages passed down that way. However, in Christ Jesus' lineage, you're going to see some very interesting people that are not necessarily uh, men, not necessarily Jews, uh, not necessarily pious women, uh, and all of those are part of it. Now, if I wanted to show that I was God and I was pristine and above all things, and I, you know, that I wanted to be the best of the best of the best and the most elite of the gods, what would I do? If I were God, I would scrub out all the skeletons in my closet. I would scrub out all the foolishness that has happened in my lineage because I want to show that I'm blue blood, that I wear golden crown all the time, that there is no, uh, my family is all perfect from beginning to end. That's what I would do uh, if I wanted to make up a fake lineage. But in this case, we know it is true because here in the middle of it, in Jesus' own lineage, we are seeing some very difficult things that have happened in life. And that's part of life. We are humans and our brokenness is part of why God came to save us. So if you want to read more about Tamar, it's in Genesis 38. Uh, verse 5. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David, the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. In verses 5 to 6, you're going to see three different women. Um, and the third one in NKJV is not uh, listed, but maybe in another one it is. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Do you know who Rahab is? Anybody? Yeah. Who is yeah, it? Yeah, uh, Rahab is the one that... hid the spies when the the wall of Jericho was going to come down and she was blessed and her family was was safe if she stayed she was in the house. She was a yes. prostitute. 
both yeah. of you are right. Yes, exactly. She was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And uh, she had seen the coming, incoming uh, Israel's army that had already destroyed two major cities and they were just about to cross the Jordan. And they saw and they were all terrified. Jericho was terrified because they were coming towards them. Tamar, I mean, Rahab, the prostitute, had to make a decision. Do I go with the Jews or do I stay with my people, Jericho, Canaanites? And Rahab chose to align herself with God's people. And so, as Maria mentioned, you know, she hid the spies. And so later on in a genealogy, we find that this Rahab married a man by name Salmon, perhaps one of the spies, and Salmon perhaps the spy for, from the tribe of Judah. Um, and uh, they had a son, and his name was Boaz. Boaz later on married a woman who was also a non-Jew, in fact, from a Moabite, and Moabite was not, they were supposed to reject the Moabites. And yet, uh, Boaz married this woman called Ruth, uh, a Moabitess, and by uh, Ruth and uh, by uh, Boaz uh, was Obed born, who was the son of, uh, was the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of King David. And so Ruth became the great-grandmother of uh, King David. Why am I emphasizing these again? These are two non-Jewish people. But they, how did they arrive at that place? When they put in with the Lord of Christ, with God, they swore their allegiance to the God of Israel. God made them part of his story. Um, and so that's how they ended up in this particular lineage, uh, both Rahab and Ruth. Beautiful stories of two tremendous women uh, that became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then finally, you know what David did, a sin, a, a horrible sin. And out of that horrible sin um, that uh, she, he coveted somebody, murdered somebody and took that woman as his wife, uh, had an adulterous relationship with that um, with that woman and then to hide that murdered uh, Uriah, her husband. Horrible, horrible, horrible story. Now, like I said, if I were to clean my skeletons in my closet, this would be one I would clean. But we have it here because God is telling the truth and this is the way life is, this is the way it happened. But it's very, very carefully worded and her name is not mentioned. That's right, it's not mentioned, but we know uh, who that person is. I know, I know the NIV says Uriah's wife, so Uriah gets credit in there. Uriah, that's right, in, in the NKJV it's the same, it says who had been the wife of Uriah. Who had been Uriah's wife. Right, so we know who this person is, so she became uh, the mother of King Solomon. Uh, I think uh, it's specifically not mentioned uh, her name is not mentioned because of the nature of how david uh, took her as his wife that's, that's uh, a very good possibility it's that way 
it's a very shameful event uh, that literally destroyed David's family. Uh, sword entered that family from that day on, and it never departed. So um, exactly as Prophet Nathan had promised, it would happen. Uh, however, God was kind, and he did not take back his promise that David's throne would last forever. David's seed would sit on the throne forever. God's a gracious God. God's a long-suffering God. God is willing to forgive, pardon, cleanse, heal, and restore us. Um, in spite of all of our wickedness, uh, God is still willing to clean slate, start afresh. And he calls God, um, David a, a man after his own heart. Was it because of sin? No, but because he confessed and he came and he claimed clean to God. He was a malleable soul. God was able to mold him in accordance to his will. And God's looking for the same thing with us, not because we are ever going to be perfect, but what God's looking for are souls that are willing to, to bend his way. Uh, God's will, that we can, we are soft clay in His hands, so we He can use us for His glory, with all of our you know flaws and foolishness and everything else. Um, God is able to use us for His glory. This, this is a little off topic, but as far as David goes, it says he was a man after God's own heart. Yes. And I guess God could forgive him for you know the Uriah thing and the census thing. But he was a killer. He killed thousands and thousands of people. And, and you wonder why a, such a killer is a man after God's own heart. It is true. That's why God didn't permit him to build a temple, if you remember. He said, you got a bloody yeah. hands. I don't want you to build my temple. Yeah. Your son will build it for me. Thank you, but your son will build it for me. Yeah. So, yes, um, in many ways when we look at these things, uh, it should bring us great joy, uh, great comfort to know that if God is willing to accept a killer like David, if God is willing to accept a prostitute like uh, Rahab, if God is able to accept, uh, reject God's own cursed person, that is uh, Ruth from the Moabite society, and make, make her his own then God is able to do the same for us. God never changes. There's no shadow of changing with God. And so as we read through this genealogy, it should give us great comfort to know that this is an unchangeable God. This, change, this God doesn't change. If that God showed that kind of kindness to that person, he will surely show that kindness to me because he's unchanging. His attributes doesn't, do not change. There's no shadow of turning with him. So that is the great encouragement that we can get as we go through life, you know, in its rawest form, the most difficult thing that we can ever experience I and mean, see it. And then we look at our lives and they're like, my gosh, my life is a shamble. Where am I going with this? What's going to happen to me? Our God is a God of grace and mercy and kindness. He's willing to forgive and pardon and cleanse and relieve us of all our sins and bring us, put us back on the state in the, on the horse again and let us run, uh, let us ride again. So that should be an encouragement for us as we're going through these portions here. Now, I want to go back to Boaz and Ruth. Uh, last Saturday, we had a Bible study. The question was asked, um, which son 
uh, how many sons did Boaz and Ruth have? And I don't know the answer is not known. Uh, what was Obed the firstborn or was he the secondborn? There are reasons for it because Ruth had a f husband, first husband, and the first husband was to take on the lineage and the family name for the first husband. Um, so Boaz and Ruth uh, would have their own lineage uh, by the second child. So is Obed the second child? I, question, I sometimes wonder, is that the second child that they had? I don't have an answer, but it's just uh, you know, a thought in my head. What could that have been? Obed was that the second child of Ruth and Boaz. Um, so that's the story there. Verse se seven, Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, Abijah begot Asa, Asa begot uh, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, Ahaz begot Hezekiah, Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away into Babylon. So it, at that point, it stops with that portion where it's, they're being carried away to Babylon. Solomon begot Rehoboam. It was during the time of Rehoboam that the nation of Israel got divided into the northern and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern kingdom was just called Samaria or Israel. Um, they, it was primarily called Israel. Uh, the southern kingdom was called uh, Judah. Um, so it broke and the what you're seeing, the lineage from, from Rehoboam on down are the kings or the main uh, entities or the individuals uh, that were from the tribe of Judah that was part of the southern kingdom. Another point I want to make here is Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham. You see that in verse 8 and 9 there. It was during the time of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah that a, big, a great prophet was on uh, that uh, was in the uh, in the southern kingdom. Do you know what that who the prophet is? Isaiah. Isaiah. That's correct. Uh, Isaiah was the big prophet uh, during that time. Uh, it was during the period of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Ammon begot Josiah. We just came after, out of a study last week. And you should know who the prophet was at that time during the time of Josiah. Do you remember? Yes. Habakkuk. Habakkuk began his ministry during the time of Josiah. Josiah got on the throne when he was about 12 years of age. So he was a young king and there was great, great revival. And then after Josiah's death, and by the way, Josiah was killed in a battle. Uh, it was after Josiah's death was when this kingdom went down again. The battle that Josiah was in was called the battle. It, it, was, a, it was not his battle, actually. It shouldn't have gone for it. It was a battle between the Egyptians and the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. Uh, Josiah just wanted to, you know, to show that he was a big guy. And he went in and the prophet said, look, you don't have to go, don't go. And even the king, uh, Pharaoh Necho said, look, don't, don't come, don't get hurt, go home. But no, Josiah had to show off that he was somebody. And guess what? He got killed. Um, so that was a time of Habakkuk uh, was coming on the scene and that's how Josiah died. And then later on came another set of kings. 
verse 12, and after they brought, they were brought back, brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abihud. Abihud begot Eliakim. Eliakim begot Azor. That was from verse 12 to 13. Something about Jeconiah and Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. Nebuchadnezzar, as you read in verse 12, Nebuchadnezzar carried away Jeconiah, was a king, uh, along with a bunch of other people uh, off to Babylon. We read that last week, if you remember, when we talked about mercy in the middle of wrath. You remember that? When we were studying mercy in the middle of wrath, he talked about, uh, Jeremiah spoke about the figs, good figs. Jeconiah was one of those good figs, along with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all. These were young kids at that time, but Jeconiah was an older king, an older meaning a young man. Uh, he was taken away uh, to Babylon. He was settled in uh, Babylon, and he lived a good life. He, he ate at the king's table, if you can believe that. Uh, Jeconiah ate at Nebuchadnezzar's table uh, all his life in Babylon. And it was during that time that his son Shealtiel was born, and then after that came Zerubbabel. How many of you have heard of the word Zerubbabel? Anybody familiar? Yeah, I see a couple of hands go up. Uh, Zerubbabel is a. Uh, it. Yeah. It seems that uh, it's one of those names that you never hear of, but it's a big name. It's a very big name, actually. And uh, it Zerubbabel. Yeah. It was in the rebuilding of the temple. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Right. Um, so Zerubbabel, uh, he came back from Babylon. Sheltiel was born in Babylon during the time uh, of uh, captivity. And so he stayed, Sheltiel stayed in um, Babylon. However, his son, actually it's not his son. If you look closely in First Chronicles 3, I don't want you to go there, but if you want to make a note and go back and refer to it, uh, Sheltiel and Zerubbabel, um, Sheltiel is the, Zerubbabel is the grandson of Shealtiel. Zerubbabel was begotten by Shealtiel. They're actually grandfather and grandson. Uh, there is an, uh, there's a son in between. His name is Pediah. Uh, however, he's not a significant name, and we'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, so Zerubbabel comes back to Babylon, to um, Israel, to Jerusalem, and he rebuilds the temple. You, I'm going to read a verse, and then you'll know very quickly. The word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How many of you have heard that verse? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It was a promise given to Zerubbabel, actually. If you want to read it, it's Zechariah 4, 6. Zechariah, it's one of, one of my favorite books from the Old, is Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6 not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zerubbabel was so disappointed, uh, discouraged, when he'd seen the city of Jerusalem, and more importantly, the temple. By the way, Zerubbabel comes back as the governor of Judah. So he comes back and he sees the temple and he says, he remembers the old temple of Solomon. And then he comes back and says, sees a temple is completely destroyed, gutted, 
all its beauty that uh, Solomon and David had put together was all gone. And he was just saying, what's the point? And so God comes along to say, you know, not by your power, not by your might, but by my spirit. It is also that time when Zechariah uh, encourages through the Holy, through God's spirit, uh, Zerubbabel saying, uh, do not despise the day of small beginnings. This is something for us also. These are some great encouragements that God brings to Zerubbabel. Saying, hey, listen, it's small. No one's going to care. But don't despise the day of small beginnings. Even an oak tree begins with a small seed. Um, but once it's grown and you see this massive oak, you would never know that it came from this little seed that went into the ground. So that is about Zerubbabel. Verse 14. Uh, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, Achim begot Eluid, uh, Eliud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Matan, Matan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. So, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14, from David until the captivity of Babylon are 14, and from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14. When you read the genealogy of Matthew and Luke, there are some inconsistencies. By that, what do I mean? Some names are different. Some, there are some gaps in between these genealogies. And so they say, oh, you know what? One of them is, is mistaken. No, they're not mistaken. The focus is different. And so because the focus is different, um, there are different names in there, and they don't seem to all account for each other. By stating 14, 14, and 14, Matthew is simply pointing to those important individuals or turning points of genealogical records turning points, key points, some key individuals along the way. This is by no means to be considered line by line by line, name by name by name genealogy. It is not a consistent, full-blown genealogy. Even if it were, you cannot stretch these many generations across 400 plus years. So it is not that, but rather the names of these individuals are the ones that are critical in the focus of saying what well, this is the son of God. The other one is the son of man. And so there's some, they are not, you cannot put one on top of the other and say, oh, they match exactly. But you would see many of the names appear on both sides. It's not that they're completely different, but you're going to see some, many, many, many names uh, are the same, but there are some gaps in between. The reason for the gaps, the reason I spoke about Shealtiel and Pediah and Zerubbabel is to exactly to identify that for you. If you read Matthew's gospel, you wouldn't know that there was a Pediah in between Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's father was Pediah, whose father was Shealtiel. But it refers to as the son, just as uh, you would, uh, you know, in the scriptures, to say, I'm the son of Abraham. Uh, no one makes a big deal of it. It is, that's exactly the way it is. Or in the book of Daniel, when you say Belshazzar is the son of Nebuchadnezzar. No, it's not. Actually, he was the grandson. There was a guy in between, Nabonidus, uh, who was the son, I uh, was the father of Belshazzar. 
but it's irrelevant to history and so it's just not discussed it's he's there he wasn't there so like that so there are some events that are like that That was another informative Bible study from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, from verse 2 through 17. It shows how God can use all people, good and bad, great or small, for His divine purposes. He doesn't see people through barriers of race, religion, or their own actions. Hope you are blessed and do join us for the next episode as we travel down the Old Testament years, continuing from verse 18.